I want you just at this moment just to think back use your memories <laughs> and I don't need you to tell me what your answer is going to be to this because we might have too many memories and it won't give me a chance to bring God's word but I want you to just think back over your life and think of a moment a time maybe a place where you have experienced something which you wish you could return to again it may be you went on a specific holiday somewhere and you enjoyed it so much you didn't want to come home and you wish you could return and revisit that holiday again as I was thinking of this in the week I was thinking of the ladies that have been brides you know you get all that build up to the wedding day and you've got this amazing dress that's cost a fortune <laughs> and you wear it and the day is over and you might think I'd love to revisit that day and wear it again and we would all perhaps be conjuring up something now I wish I could do that again I wish I could go there again but in all of our thinking and of all the thoughts you may have conjured up this morning there is one place we should all return to and we should return to it on a regular basis. And at first it's not a place of beauty, it's a place of brutality, it's a place of barbaric activity. This place is not even a paradise, yes, yet it is a paradox for something amazing took place that leads to paradise. It's not a place of sun and sea and sand. It's a place of shame. It's a place of suffering. And it's a place of sorrow. It's the place that we call Calvary. The place which was a setting for the cross. And oh how often. And how regularly. We should come and linger at the cross not because it was a pleasant place but because it was a necessary place it's the place where God's love was displayed it's the place where God's mercy was revealed it's the place where God's wrath was satisfied it's the place where God's grace is received See, Calvary is the place, and it's the only place, where salvation can be found. Where forgiveness can be had. And where eternal life can be received. It's the only place that we can go to, clothed in our own righteousness, which is as filthy rags, and leave them there. And leave it knowing that we've exchanged them for his perfect righteousness <coughs> it's the place that we can go to with our brokenness and we can exchange it for his wholeness it's the place that we can go to with our bad attitudes and believe you me we've all got plenty of them at times and exchange them for his beautiful attributes which we so desperately need and we've already been told we're going to learn about them this evening 
It's the place we can go to with our hurts. And we can exchange them for healing. It's the place we can go to with our failures. And we can exchange it for faith again. In the words of a hymn from the older books. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me, visit Calvary, where our Redeemer died. His blood, it filled the fountain, tis full, tis deep, tis wide. He died from sin to sever, our hearts and lives complete. He saves and keeps forever those lying at his feet. I love the chorus of the hymn that says, Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to where? Lead me to Calvary. And we need to visit Calvary on a regular basis. We do it when we share in communion together as we remember what Christ has done for us there. We do it when we meet together in worship as we praise and give thanks. And it's amazing how the theme has been there in the songs we've already sang this morning. But I want to suggest this morning we shouldn't just visit Calvary when we come to share in communion or when we come to worship the Lord together. We should spend time every day in our Christian walk in visiting the place called Calvary as we contemplate his abounding love, his amazing grace, and his undeserved mercy towards each one of us. The chapter that Emma has read for us this morning is one of the most well-known books in the book of uh, chapters in the book of Isaiah. We know that it's a prophetic chapter and as the Isaiah was bringing this prophetic word he was looking into the future looking forward to something that was yet going to happen. It's an, an amazing prophecy when you go through it. An amazing prophecy that gives such accuracy 700 years before the event happened with exactly what would take place at that time. It's a prophecy that enacts before it happened. God at work through his son bringing about eternal salvation for mankind. And the scene, though not specifically stated in the prophecy, was to be Calvary. And the servant, although not named, was to be the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know in Acts chapter 8 that it says, tells us there of the account of the Ethiopian who was in the chariot and it says there that he was reading from the book of Isaiah and he was reading this specific chapter, Isaiah 53. And as he was contemplating and reading Isaiah 53, the Holy Spirit tells Philip to draw alongside the chariot. And as he comes alongside the chariot, we find that they begin to talk with each other. And the Ethiopian says to Peter, about whom does this prophet say? This chapter in 53, who is it about and what is it all about? Is it about himself or is it about someone else? And Philip replies, and starting at the same chapter, Isaiah 53, he told him the good news about Jesus. In other words, he tells him, the prophet is speaking about Jesus. 
And we cannot really read Isaiah 53 without going back into chapter 52. And this is what it says in verse 3 of chapter 52 of Isaiah. It's a simple little verse and it says, For thus says the Lord, prophetic word again, For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. In this context of the chapter of 52, verse 52, uh, it's talking about the Israelites. And they've been taken into captivity. They've gone down into Babylon. But God was about to deliver them. And he tells them, I'm going to deliver you and it's going to cost you nothing at all. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to return you back home. But it also pictures or portrays what God was going to do for sinful humanity. For we'd all been taken into captivity. We'd all been taken down into the kingdom of darkness. But God says, I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to redeem you without cost. And so God says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to reconcile you. But how? How is he going to do it? What would happen? And the answer comes in the next chapter. It's all going to happen through the one that we call the suffering servant. And so verse 3, for thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money, was good news. It told the people that salvation was on its way. Therefore, it continues in chapter 53 with this instruction to go and to proclaim it. For verse 7 says in chapter 52, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And chapter 53 is good news. It is good news. It's in its fulfilment through the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary, salvation has come. Freedom from Satan and release from the kingdom of darkness has come. And it's available to all who will believe. And that's why Paul himself quoted Isaiah 52 and verse 7 in Romans chapter 10 when he said, How beautiful! are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel, who give testimony to what God has done in their hearts and lives so that others in hearing may also receive the good news and believe. Today, if you want beautiful feet, don't go to Michael. Preach the good news. It's scriptural. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But I'm sure that Michael would do a good job on your feet as well. <laughs> it was Thursday morning when I was preparing for this morning, wondering and pondering what to share. And I turned to the book of Isaiah. And I'd already read some verses and I'd got to chapter 38 and I read through chapter 38 concerning Hezekiah's sickness. Then I scanned on through the chapters that followed and I came to and I deliberately skipped over chapter 53 thinking to myself, well, I know what that's all about. 
And I went into chapter 54. But the amazing thing is this. That exactly the same moment that I skipped 53 and began to read chapter 54, I got some worship songs already playing in the background. And suddenly the song that was playing, song that was playing, caught my attention at exactly the same moment. And it was the words of that well-known hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me. And I stopped. And I began to listen to the song. And as I listened to it, I wondered, and I wondered how he could love me. And the song came to an end, and I flicked it to play again. And I listened to it again. And then I flicked it and I listened to it again. Because I suddenly became overwhelmed with the wonder of the fact that I could stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and wonder how he could love me. And then I began to think to myself, how dare I miss or skip out reason, reading Isaiah chapter 53? How dare? I thought I knew it, I'd leave it. But the song caught my attention and made me realise I needed to read chapter 53. So even before I prepared anything for this morning, I texted Ian and I told him I've got a reading for this morning. I told him to sit down because he'd be shocked to know I've got a reading. <laughs> Isaiah 53. Listen this morning. Do we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus? And wonder how he could love us. We were sinners condemned and unclean. Yet he did. That's the amazing thing. He did. He loves each one of us. No matter our background. No matter where we've come from. And what we've done or where we've been. Or whatever it might be. He's loved every single one of us. For we were sinners. We were condemned and unclean. And yet he loves us. He does love us. And he proved it without any shadow of doubt. And that is why I believe this morning. We should keep coming back to Calvary. The line that really grabbed my attention is in the chorus. How marvellous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. His amazing love yeah. is for you, yes, but this morning, for me. He loved me. He loved me. <clears throat> Remember a couple of songs I might have, have given over the last few weeks. The one goes like this. I love you. I love you. That's what Calvary said. I love you. I love you. I love you. Written in red. The red being his blood. Speaking out to you. Speaking out to me. Writing the message for each one of us to receive this morning. It's Jesus saying, I love you. Everyone this morning, as I look across each one of you, Jesus would say, I love you. That's why I went to Calvary. And the other song I mentioned recently, which just keeps exciting me. Your grace still amazes me. Your love still a mystery. Each day I fall on my knees. Your grace still amazes me. Your grace still amazes me.
See, that is why I need to keep coming back to Calvary. That is why we need to keep coming back to Calvary. And that's why I cannot help but keep preaching about Calvary. And if you don't want to hear preaching about Calvary, go somewhere else. Because I can do nothing else but preach about Calvary. And about the cross and about his love for me. For without it, I would still be lost. I'd still be helpless. I'd still be hopeless and bound for hell. And the same for each one of us. This morning, if you've not come to the cross, if you've not come to Calvary, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Saviour and as your Lord, or perhaps you may have done, but you've not followed it through, you've not surrendered your life to Him, you've not really committed your life to Him, then this morning you're still lost. You're still helpless. You're still hopeless. And you're still bound for hell. But the cross speaks this morning. The blood still speaks this morning. God still says, I love you. And I've loved you with an everlasting love. And I've proved it by coming and dying for you. And laying down my life for you. If you've never accepted Jesus... Or if you haven't never followed it through, this morning, think of what I'm sharing this morning. Think about how your future can be turned around and changed simply by coming to the cross and accepting Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. I read this quote, and it goes like this. God's, God's power is at its greatest, not in his destruction of the wicked, but in his taking all the wickedness of the earth, and you think of what it must be, the, well, I could say the mountain, but it would be faster than a mountain. It, it, God's power is at its greatest, not in his destruction of the wicked, but in his taking all the wickedness of the earth into himself and giving back love. Wow. That's the cross. That's the amazing message of the cross. And we could take that mountain of wickedness and listen, we've all put something into that pile. Every one of us. But he took it upon himself. And as we come to the cross, he gives us his love. Now the key thoughts we need to grasp from this chapter... And really it needs to start from 50, uh, 52, where it starts there in verse 13 and says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shed their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand and then it goes into 53 who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed now we're not going to go into the chapter in detail this morning because I'm going to turn to it again and we're going to go through it in more detail but the thoughts that we need to grasp from the chapter we've heard it read this morning is quite simply this I've said it already really but God loves us that's what Isaiah 53 is all about God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And when we talk of God loving us, we're talking about Jesus as well. For he is God. And he came and demonstrated God's love for us. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. 
We need to get hold of the truth, the wonder of this verse, that he loved us. As vile and as ugly and as appalling as we were as sinners, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And the verse we know so very well from John 3.16, For God so loved the world, there's no one excluded. Every man and every woman, every young person, every boy, every girl, every nationality, every race, every colour. It doesn't matter where men and women are to be found on the face of the earth. God loved the world. He loved you and he loved me so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, he loved us enough and this came in the scriptures that was read first this morning. He left us enough to stoop down. And this is the wonder. He left heaven to come down into this earth. He loved us enough to stoop down into this sick world for us. We, we sang a song on Friday night, 465, where one of the lines says, Stooping so tenderly. He could have come down with a stick. <coughs> He could have come down with a stick and he could have hounded every single one of us out and he could have given us a beating. He could have given us a good hiding, a good bashing as um, Norman calls it in the story because of who we are and because of our rebellion, because of what we have done for him and the way we treated us. But no, he stooped down tenderly because he loved us and he loved us enough to suffer for us suffer for us. Think as you go through that chapter and you go into the Gospels and think of how Jesus died. The way that he suffered and why did he suffer? Why was he willing to suffer in all this awful way? Because he loved us. He loved you and he loved me. And he loved us enough to be a substitute for us. Go back to that word help the song. I stand amazed in the presence. He continues to say, He took my sins and my sorrows. He knew no sin of his own, but he was willing to take my place, to be my substitute, to take my sin, to take my sad sorrow, to take the punishment I deserve, to face the wrath of God that I deserve, because he loved me. And because he loved you as well. And so he loved us enough to die for us. To die for us. I tell you, how quick would we be willing to die for somebody else? For just one person, but he died for us all. That's how much he left us. Secondly, we read from that chapter that his sacrifice was sufficient and successful. For God accepted it. God accepted what his suffering servant, his son, had done on the cross. And he proved it first by raising him from the dead. He proved it secondly by exalting him as was prophesied in chapter 52 in those verses I read. Behold my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. And then 53 is the suffering. But then we know in Philippians 2 chapter 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then his sacrifice is effectual or effective. 
and as we come to believe and this is just a short list I could have done just a much larger list but as we come to believe in what Christ has done for us and as we come to accept him as our Lord and as our Saviour that we, we learn from the word of God that we're set free no longer in the kingdom of darkness no longer under the rule of Satan but in his kingdom under his rule the shackles have gone the fetters have been broken the bondages are taken away the addictions go and the sin goes because Jesus comes and sets us free we're forgiven we're forgiven I mentioned the mountain of all the iniquity of the world. Well, the wonderful thing is this, that when we come to the cross, we're, we're forgiven. And what I believe happens is something like this, is in my imagination, Jesus gets a great big JCB and he comes to that mountain and he digs out your iniquity and my iniquity and he gets rid of it. It's not going to be seen again. It's not going to be remembered again because we are forgiven. We're saved. We're made alive again. We're redeemed. We're reconciled. The list could go on. This is why we need to keep coming back to Calvary. To remind ourselves of what has happened. Because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. And so the prophecy of Isaiah 53. And the fulfillment of it. In the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It needs to be believed and responded to. Believed and responded to. And the good news is that going back to chapter 52 and verse 3, as I've mentioned, those things that have happened, it's all free. It's at no cost to us. But it's all come about by and through the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 18-19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. Is it not strange that although God offers the world redemption God offers freely to the whole of the world what mankind so desperately needs and yet so many don't want it they don't want it there are those who do not care about it there are those who are trying to earn it through good works and sometimes you'll see in the streets of our towns cities they'll come knocking on your doors you'll get the Jehovah's Witnesses you'll get the Mormons and the Mormons uh, we call them they, they call themselves missionaries they leave America usually they come over here they pair up with somebody else and they have to live a life that is an awful life they're not allowed to be left alone with anybody else they're watched they're care carefully looked over to make sure that they don't get in conversation with anyone else because they think in doing what they're doing they're earning salvation and yet Jesus is willing to give it to them for free just come to it and the same with the Jehovah's Witnesses you try and have a conversation with them you try to give them literature they're not allowed to take it off you And then there are many who think they're going to achieve it through penance. Or, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get through purgatory. And all the time God says it's free. You don't have to do anything. I've done it all for you. I've given my all for you. All you need to do is trust and believe. And that is why we need to keep coming back to Calvary. 
It's the place where the blood was shed. It's the place where the price was paid. And thank God I can say, and most of us can say, it's the place where we were freed. Hallelujah. It's the place where salvation was made available for all who would come and accept him by faith. Here's the words of another song. Jesus came and loved me, took my sin to Calvary. He has made a way for me. And now my eyes are opened since I came to know him. His great love has set me free. At the cross, my debt was paid. All my sins were washed away. Just for me, amazing grace at the cross. At the cross, my Saviour died. Shed his blood, was crucified. Just for me, he gave his life. My joy will ever be in the one who saved me. Jesus, Lamb of Calvary. All praises to the King for his grace and mercy. Through his grace and mercy, I am redeemed. The cross. Calvary. Let's make sure we come there regularly. Revisit it. And allow his message to touch us. To minister to us. To strengthen us. To urge us. And if again this morning you have never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ or haven't not followed it through then I urge you this morning I beg you this morning to come to the cross. Come. Accept Jesus as your Saviour and Lord for he is God's only way. There is no other way. If you want to know your sin is forgiven if you know, want to know that your life is made right with God, and if you want to know that should you depart this life today, you're going to enter into his eternal presence, then you need to put your faith, and you need to put your trust in him. We're going to continue with communion. He's going to come and lead us with that. And if what I've shared this morning has challenged you in some way, Please don't leave you this morning. Please don't leave you this morning. Coming and speaking with me. Speaking with the other leaders. So that we can bring you to that place. Of surrendering your life. To the Lord Jesus Christ.